truck and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. Hola. Happy Friday. Thanks for joining us here today on The Blaze Live and On Demand. I am Steve Dace. Todd and Aaron are here alongside our good friend, New York talk show host, Shannon Joy. We will reintroduce her and uh, the rest of our contributors here in just a few minutes for the day's group. But first, we got to let you know, we love to know what you think about what we think. 888-900-3393 is the number. 888-900-3393. You can also let us know what you think about what we think via the stevedace.com inbox. Steve at stevedace.com is the email address. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show, and the last name is spelled D-E-A-C-E. Coming up uh, today on the program, it is a Feedback Friday, so we'll get to as much of your feedback in the final hour uh, as we possibly can. We're going to have a truth bomb where I'm going to address a a situation that I'm not really sure what to make of it, and I I have found it puzzling for a while. So we're going to we're going to confront it during our truth bombs segment uh, a little bit later on today. Also there is a moment coming up today I I am very much looking forward to. And I mean I can't wait till we get here. I'm not going to tell you what it is. I you guys will know it though. You will know it when we get to that moment. All right? You will know it when we get to that moment. See, I'm a poet mm. and I didn't even know it. How about them apples? Right? Not a good one. <laughs> Build the wall and crime will fall. Hey, hey. Ho, ho. <laughs> All right. Uh, the Dace Group Roundtable today is brought to you by our good friends at Real Estate Agents. I trust if you are looking to buy or sell a home this year, you want to check out realestateagentsitrust.com. That's all one word. Here's why. What sets this apart from other referral agencies? Well, other referral agencies or websites are really uh, created in order for real estate agents to find clients like you. This one was created by Glenn Beck and, and some of his pals six years ago to help people like you find good real estate agents. It's a sifting process. And, and, and this is because this is getting increasingly more difficult uh, in today's environment to find a real estate agent that isn't just all talk, but actually can walk the walk at the exact same time. Because selling and buying a home can be an incredibly difficult process to navigate. It is an incredibly stressful one. One of my buddies here in the office, uh, they're getting ready to buy a a new home and sell their current one, and we were talking about it. I'm not one that stresses easily. Uh, That was one of the most stressful times in my life was pulling that off, okay? Uh, And I had a really good agent that we've continued to do business with uh, even years later, I can't imagine what would happen if you if you didn't have a good one. So don't let that happen to you. Realestateagentsitrust.com is the website. Realestateagentsitrust.com. Let's get to the day's group. Your weekly look at the week that was begins with issue one, the cuckening. The government shutdown continued this week, obviously. 
And Donald Trump started to show some chinks in the armor. Earlier this week, he replied to Nancy Pelosi's original letter where she essentially canceled the State of the Union. His reply stated that he was planning on giving the speech to the joint session of Congress as originally planned. Pelosi sent a letter back saying essentially, nope. So by the end of the day, Donald Trump had capitulated and basically given Nancy Pelosi a huge optics win during the government's shutdown. Yesterday, the Senate voted on two bills that would have reopened the government. Both of them were shot down. But later in the day, Sarah Sanders said this on behalf of the president about a separate, shorter continuing resolution. Leader Mitch McConnell and Senator Chuck Schumer are meeting now to see whether they can work out of this deadlock. As was made clear to Senator Lindsey Graham, the three-week continuing resolution would only work if there's a large down payment on the wall. A large down payment. That's, that's, what we're, that's what we're going for now. Well, on the bright side, at least we can keep using the word cuck now. Why do I have this image of Chris Rock's character and I'm going to get you, sucker? Why do I have this image that at some point somebody in the White House is going gonna, is gonna to say to Nancy Pelosi, how much for one rib? Yep. That's going to happen at this rate before the end of the weekend. First question, Todd, goes to you. Can Trump recover from this week's events and still pull out a win? Winning at what's, what's a win? Getting the wall? Not being a joke? What is a win? I, I don't know. You're welcome to define that any way you would like. There's no winning. I mean, there's just no winning, Shannon. It's all, it's all, it's all the show. It's it, it, there's no winning. I, I mean, I, my hope has not been lessened in higher things. But what, what is this? I, I help now, me. Hold on, Todd. I want to push back. You. I want to push back a little bit. I, I, I think your standards are way too high. I, I don't know why you're presuming. <laughs> That the president leading off with, with, you know, really unilaterally, preemptively throwing amnesty for 11 million illegal aliens on the table as part of a whole separate deal on Twitter when no one even asked him to do that. Right. Uh, and, and, and then coming back with uh, walking back his challenge on the State of the Union mere hours after issuing it. I really think you're one of those dreaded never Trump purists and you're just being way too hard on, on, on President Trump. What do you expect him to do up against the swamp? I'm, uh, I just felt like somebody on this panel needed to say that because that's, that's, what, that's what click conservative media is going to say to our audience all day today. So yeah. I felt like somebody needed to yeah. represent that position. And I'm used to not being liked, so let it be me. Go ahead. I'm a never jackass purist. That's what I am. <laughs> I, I just – and this is we in my normal life too. I, I, Steve said I just can't handle the stupid. I, I had this – like I, I, I can't tolerate the notion that everybody up there – sucks this bad so i just have to believe that there's there is at least a hail mary possibility of some guys deciding to find the fire in the belly and saying you know what i i think i'd like to try the smell of winning once in a while but i i am without that hope today i can't possibly fake it these guys are just losers through and through including donald trump he was just around steve said how, how he made all that money in new york New York is where you go. 
for make dreams come true. It's a real hustle bustle. He must have had some game. Now he was just clearly surrounded by even bigger losers, I guess. I, I, I can't believe, for example, in his private work, there was ever a property he wanted and they were negotiating. And he said, this is my offer. And then when the offer was rejected, came back and said, no, this is the only offer you're going to get. And then when the offer was rejected, came back and said, you're right, I'm, I'm, I'm going to... Would he negotiate that way for a property on well, the Upper East? I can't. Our best, you don't make billions doing stuff like this. Our best hope was he, and you play poker. I played enough poker. Our best hope was he was the guy that, you know, he just loves, you know, all in. Just keeps just keeps bullying you off the table to get stuff. Not because he agrees with the stuff you like, but this happens to be the tribe he signed up with, and it's fun. To, yeah, it's apparently not. We can't count on that, not even a little bit. Aaron. Yeah, I think um, if... If we are right in some of the hypothesis that we've shared before, that this uh, reeks of uh, Javanka coming and and uh, saying daddy. hot daddy, yeah. um, we need less daddy and more Donald. And it's apparent that we are not getting that, and we really haven't gotten that um, consistently um, throughout the entire presidency. If we just got the guy who um, was sold to a, a vast majority of conservatives and uh, Republican America that was just going to be the bully, going to be the bull in the China shop, we wouldn't even be having this conversation right now. But you're absolutely right. At the rate at which this um, uh, cave appears to be happening, by the end of the weekend, Donald Trump is going to be asking for funding for a Big Mac. And Nancy Pelosi is going to send him a letter saying no. Uh, that's the way that this is going right now. And uh, as far as where is a win in this, um, there is no winning at this point. And this goes back to an anecdote that you've shared that I'm going to steal and rip off from you, Steve, right now, uh, about the, uh, I think, the ex-Special Forces um, soldier who taught a gun training camp in one of your friends, or a gun training on Capitol Hill. On Capitol Hill. Yeah. And um, uh, your friend was a part of this. And the first question that this ex-Special Forces asked was, are you willing to kill somebody with this gun? Mm-hmm. And um, some people said no. And he said, well, then you're a bigger danger to yourself than this gun will ever be a help to you or something along those lines. Meaning in this context, Donald Trump has been a bigger danger to himself and to the rest of us who actually care about uh, illegal amnesty, illegal uh, aliens crossing into the border uh, and actual actually securing the border. Because as you said earlier this week, if he slows down on this and if he capitulates on this all the way, we'll lose the the issue forever. We're going to lose the issue forever. We will be an open borders country. It's gone. Yes. If you're going to go down to the uh, how much for one rib uh, act, then you have. Should uh, never pick should the fight not, to begin with. Right. You should never have picked the fight to begin with. And that, yep. Yeah, that's my that's my whole whole point here. Less less daddy and more Donald. And if you were going to capitulate all along, then again, no plan. There's no plan. I, I want him to win this. We I want I need him to win this. It's in my self interest. It's in my vested interests. Uh, it's in my ideological and moral interests. It's in my theolo- every interest I have. I, there is no scenario from my worldview standpoint. Where Donald Trump losing this fight is good for me, that I can foresee. Uh, it's just not going to be one like this. And um, the idea that you would step like that out publicly and then just to walk it back is indicative of the fact they don't have a strategy, they don't have a plan, they're not even of one mind inside the White House. Shannon, what say you? Well, nothing. What's sticking out to me right now is that nothing about this, you know, shutdown, showdown, border fight makes any sense. 
it, it doesn't make no, nothing that this can't this president is doing makes sense. Um, and what I've found often, it you know, if, if things really don't make sense, often it's because you're missing just a, an enormous piece of the jigsaw puzzle that you're just not privy to. I said from day one of the shutdown that Donald Trump was not serious about securing the border. He was not serious about building a wall. And we know that because if he had been serious about making good on that promise, he would have done what he did in December of 2018 on day one of his presidency when he was elected in 2016. You take a situation where he's riding high on optimism and name recognition, you're right off a hot election. You have all sorts of Republicans who have made campaign promises of securing the border and building the wall. That would be the time to shut down the government. And let me tell you, when the phones are ringing in Washington, D.C., it's much more effective when they're ringing for Republicans who've made promises to their constituents. That was the time to go after the true enemies, which is the Republican leadership, Mitch McConnell and Paul Ryan, and call them out. Right now, we're waging a battle with a party that is not movable. You can light the phones up in Washington, D.C. all day long calling Democrats, and they're not going to move on Mm -hmm. this. So from day one, he wasn't serious. And so I knew that this was some kind of show. But... What doesn't make sense is the show's not even good. There, there's not. I, even that's that's yeah. exactly yeah. right. Yes. It made no sense to put out this letter. Drive click servitism wild. Yeah, badass Trump sticking a Nancy Pelosi. A few hours later, uh, yeah, Nancy. Uh, here's a jar. Here are my manly parts, and they're all yours. Uh, take it from here. That makes no sense. None. None. There, there, there's no rational explanation for it other than. They're deeply divided in the White House, and there's one wing of people that went to the president and said, you have to give that speech, and you have constitutional justification for doing so. And he tried to take that step, and when she resisted, the other wing of the White House, the but-daddy wing, came in and said, you know, this looks bad. You got to get out of this right away. Your poll numbers are way down. Find a way out of this. Your base will stick with you no matter what. You can lie to them as many times as you want. They have nowhere else to go. That is the only rational explanation to that for this. There is some truth to that. See, we keep, we, we keep analyzing this as to what does Ann Coulter think or what's Breitbart think. Those folks, regardless of whatever they're saying right now, they're all voting for Trump. We, it doesn't matter what he's guilty of or not. That's not who just, that's one third, maybe half of the 68 million votes he's going to need in 2020. It's the other 25 million people who are looking for strong leadership. The three and a half million people who voted for Obama twice and then voted for Trump. Those are the ones you got to worry about. Those are the people that are like, I sent you there to, to leverage the system on my behalf for once, and now you back down, then why did you even... St- you, you're worried about alienating suburban voters? Let me tell you what will alienate suburban voters. Suburban voters are typically passive-aggressive passive aggressive as a lot anyway. That's why they typically go in primaries for Marco Rubio and Mitt Romney types. They're, I know, I live here. I get it. They're typically passive-aggressive to begin with. They typically don't like confrontation to begin with. That's one of the reasons why they live out in the suburbs, to avoid confrontations. Live a nice, quiet life. So you're going to interrupt their Pleasant Valley Sundays for a government shutdown to begin with. And then you're going to do it for nothing. You're going to get nothing back. It's like your kid, you're in the middle of a deep conversation with your spouse about a budget or a life decision or a family member who's sick. And your kids are like, mom, mom, dad, 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 dad. Finally, you're like, what? And they're like, never mind. <laughs> right. 
You're, uh, we're, three of us are parents here. Is that not one of the most infuriating things your kids do? Are you more or less likely to give them what it was they were going to interrupt you for when that moment happens? Less. Far less. That's why it's win or go home. Win or go home. Win or go home. Exit. Go ahead, Todd. Well, I just I I've I understand the argument that Shannon has been making. Many made. Steve pointed it out about this could have been done a long time ago. But listen, I have so little out of the gate, so little respect for Donald Trump's uh, ability to to you know take over and really be the guy we've been waiting for. Um, I mean, Obamacare uh, was front and center. His own ego, I thought, was going to be more. Um, uh, comp- That's the part of this. I, well, this that, is, this I would is have a, never counted on this, his ego doing no, what it did to Nancy but, with Nancy Pelosi. Well, he he I he tweeted come. yesterday. This is this is Atlantic City. He's trying to declare bankruptcy on this fight right now. Right. Ahead, well, he, sorry to no, interrupt no, you. I'm right, sorry. But Go he ahead. counted on his ego to just be loved and adored. I, I figured after two years of just re, he would realize, man, I I did get some of this wrong. Now we're really going to do things Donald Trump's way. I I I counted on that on some level in this moment. If I'm going down, I'm going down the way I want to. He's uh, that's not even there. I so I, I just can't. Fu- we want to talk about toxic masculinity. That he wears it now. He, he this is what it looks like. If the outcome exit question, if the outcome of this shutdown for Trump were a Led Zeppelin song, which Led Zeppelin song would it be? A, in my time of dying. B, meaning political fortunes mortally wounded at, at best. B, immigrant song, meaning get ready for the amnesty. C, I've decided I need to translate these for you guys, okay? Shannon will still ignore them all. Yeah, yes. C, the song remains the same, meaning nothing will have nothing was different after it's over since before it began. And D, celebration day. Trump gets the win. Aaron. Um, so this is for Trump. Yes. Right? Yeah. Um, it's going to be celebration day no matter what because at the end of the day, he's going to fly off on his gold-plated toilet in his uh, private jet. Shannon. I'm saying a con- it's going to be A, B, and C all together. That's, That's just, the most acceptable yes, answer is. you've ever given me. <laughs> that is. Thank you. Thank you for actually answering my choices one time. I, I can go home now. Thank you, Todd. A. Yikes. Issue two. The biggest fake news scam since, well, I mean, the last one. Last weekend, one of the largest viral stories of recent memory unfolded. The preliminary narrative went that a group of high school boys from Covington Catholic in Kentucky who were in D.C. for the March for Life surrounded a Native American and got all up in his business. Everybody left and right condemned the actions of the young men. Then alternative video footage came out showing that it was the Native American who came over and started banging on the drum in the face of the students. Now we know that Nick Sandman is the one in all of the photos. That was only after the group of high schoolers had heard an earful of insults and slurs from a group of black Hebrew Israelites, a group that even the Southern Poverty Law Center says is a black supremacist group. Quite a few people retracted their original reaction to the story, but many did not, as evidenced by the fact this story was strung well into this week. There are so many facets of this story, the potential lawsuit, the not going to confirmation until the priest or bishop apologizes for throwing them under the bus, Covington Catholic having to actually shut down at points during this week because they were getting so many death threats, and of course the aforementioned narrative pushing despite being contradicted that many lefty celebrities and journalists did. Oh, and by the way, this whole story unfolded 
just less than 24 hours after this. In breaking news. We're following breaking news on what may be the most damning allegation yet against President Trump that's fueling new talk of impeachment. Another night, another bombshell. A potentially damaging new report from BuzzFeed. This is BuzzFeed reporting. Game-changing report. BuzzFeed News is reporting the president personally instructed his former lawyer, Michael Cohen, to lie to Congress. He should be impeached immediately. He foresees, I think, impeachment coming. This is a completely impeachable offense. Impeachment. 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 He should be impeached. That is impeachable. President Trump must either resign or be impeached. This was like the Titanic coming at the iceberg. Breaking news, a spokesperson for the special counsel, Robert Mueller's office, is disputing Bud's Feed's article. The special counsel has just come out with a statement. I want to read it to you. Responding to BuzzFeed, saying BuzzFeed's description of specific statements to the special counsel's office and characterization of documents and testimony obtained by this office regarding Michael Cohen's congressional testimony are not accurate. See, I think as we get to the first question, Shannon, I'll pose this to you. The connection that Aaron made in his in his uh, opening there, this is the part that that I'm kind of surprised this connection's not being made more often, even amongst folks, you know, on in, in the conservative media, click conservative media, who live off of clickbait responses to media bias that, let's face it, are pretty much always justified. But I'm surprised more of them are not pointing out that literally just a day after BuzzFeed ran a story that the special that the, and then they all you know as you saw there breathlessly ran with it themselves and the special counsel's office came out and said that's not true and then there's another part here they actually several of these liberal media outlets then tried to say and parse the special counsel spokesperson's statement well they're not they're just saying it's not always accurate that there might and then it would then they like leaked another follow-up to the washington post to categorically say the whole thing's bunk none of it's true when they saw that the media was still trying to run with, well, that's not, you know, that's not a full denial. Yeah, it's a full denial. The whole thing's a pile of poo. And then the very next day, this happens. No restraint whatsoever. No call. I'm reminded of when they, several of them called me the day after the 2016 election. What did we get wrong? What do we have to do differently? Only to just go uh, even more reckless, more merciless. What's your read into this, Shannon? Well, I think the reason that they're able to do this and get away with it is because it doesn't matter. The left watches left-wing news media and the right watches right-wing news media and we all operate in our own bubbles and it doesn't matter how often they lie to us or how as long as they're feeding the narrative that we we they're need narrative to be- casting in other words, not broadcasting, right? Right. It 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 just doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what they report and so they'll continue to do this until until we truly do have uh, news organizations, outlets, voices that can bust out of that para- the left-right paradigm, the D versus R paradigm, and begin to look at every issue, and I hate to say this word because it's so cliche, but from a nonpartisan perspective, um, and, and criticize both parties equally on, on a set of principles and values and, and actual facts, then, then this will continue. And this is not exclusive to the left as well. I mean, this is something that is prevalent on the right in some of the, the major right-wing news media outlets and also with a lot of the big talkers. I, I monitor big talkers every day. I listen to Rush Limbaugh, I listen to Sean Hannity, I listen to some of the most uh, pronounced voices in America, and they lie to their audiences constantly. 
I catch them. I catch them all the time with mistruths and twisting stories. Yesterday, Sean Hannity on his program said that you know he was very, very clear with President Trump that uh, amnesty for a border wall is absolutely not acceptable. And you know, but the you know president released uh, this this you know offer to the Democrats. And yeah, there's I mean a little negotiation about DACA or whatever. Blah, 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 and then he kind of mumbled the rest of it, right? But you know the fact that he can't. Of course, it's amnesty in the president's offer. It's three million, or it's you know the offer of of you know a million DACA recipients plus you know uh, with the the um, protected status in exchange for the wall. It's a three-year amnesty, and so th this isn't something you know. We tend to look at the left, and yes, they're despicable. They're vile. They lie. They twist. They they obscure. But the the right does it too. And if we're going to take a high ground on, on the right as, as media outlets, we're going to have to begin to separate ourselves from political parties and politicians and begin to get back to the facts. Todd, listening to Shannon, she's kind of updating a, an observation we made on this show several months ago, that what we are calling media bias is, is not media bias as we used to know it. That and I use the analogy of if I if there was a, a, a geopolitical dispute between say France and the United States, and I was on a vacation with my wife in Paris, and I turned on French television, would I expect them to operate from the premise of the United States's argument on this particular dispute? No. no. Okay, and I think we have to understand what Shannon said is very important. We're not supposed to watch this. That's why. That's why you and I thought it was a mistake for Mr. for Young Sandman to go, even go on Good Morning America. That that show is broadcasting to a country that is hostile. Yes. To the reasons he went to that march in the first place. That that is. You're, you might as well go on Al Jazeera. You, you might as you might as well go on Russia Today. From a, from a, from a, the perspective of the church he belongs to, the school he attends. I mean, the New York Times has a writer out there right now, literally soliciting, "Tell me your Christian horror stories." Hashtag expose Christian schools so we can write about it. This isn't bias; it's opposition. This is malfeasance. They they are broadcasting to and writing to and from a country that is a hostile one to where audiences like ours live. And because the hostility is being dialed up to 11, in, in the past, not very long ago, on any one particular issue after something like this blew up, uh, they were hostile then, but they would, they would pull back on that issue, wait for it to die down, and then go to the next issue. Now, it's just reset again and again and yep. again on the same issue. So you need to understand, because Shannon's right about right uh, everywhere, but there is still, within a lot of people who uh, grew up with Papa Cronkite and all that, a sense like of what, of what is supposed to be and a, a, and a, a benefit of the doubt even still about that journal and, and journalists count on it because they come out and they do their own self-promotion and uh, you need us standing on this wall. We're doing more important work than ever. Listen, the reason they do this again and again on the same issue, think about it militarily. If you, if, if your job is to win that war, and that means killing. And mm -hmm. if your first attempt does not reach the kill shot because of poor strategy or something, do, do you do you sit back and not try to kill again? No, no you, you go just right back and reload, a different reload. strategy, but yep. you try to kill. They are trying. This is and because ultimately now with. Um, hashtag um, expose Christian schools, which they went at right in the shadow of Covington. It's going where they always intended it to go. Yes. Deicide, the death of the things of God. They are going for the kill shot now in this point where we live as much as ever before.
Aaron, you get the history. last word. Yeah, I am. I'm not that old, but I'm still kind of you know old enough to remember when it was America who would drop leaflet drop bombs on our opposition wherever we were in the world, uh, whether it was before an operation to tell people to get where we get out or to um, you know basically try to. It, it was propaganda. I re- I remember actually you know hearing stories about dropping leaflet bombs over different parts of the Middle East. Now we're just doing that. It's just dueling leaflet bomb propaganda wars in the United States off of Shannon's point. You're absolutely right about the point um, about the mainstream media broadcasting to a different country. The, the, the inverse is true as well. Most of the rest of the media is also broadcasting to real America without necessarily any... Uh, any attempt to to find the truth it's just one it's bolsheviks mm-hmm. mensheviks two different countries mm-hmm. in one you know when the new york times runs commercials and says it's about the truth we laugh but we we have it's because they are pursuing the truth their truth yep yeah they're pursuing their truth to the death yeah when you go understand when you go on these shows you are essentially talking to the media of a hostile foreign power. Understand that. When you talk to any of these people, that is the reality of the environment we live in. It is not bias. Because bias would presume that there was a standard of objectivity to reach. It's not bias. It's opposition. It's opposition. When we come back here on The Dace Group, much more to come as we look back at the week that was and the doctrine of demons preached in New York State. That's next. Stay tuned. Back here on the Steve Day Show on The Blaze, you know, we like to support causes and individuals that are standing up on the courage of conviction. Imagine, imagine standing up to your own family publicly after they refuse to listen to you privately to, to try and do the right thing here. And, and you take it public that that's a difficult stand to make privately or publicly, but that's exactly what Victoria Hearst is doing. Uh, she is descended from the late great William Randolph Hearst, one of the great tycoons, uh, uh, power brokers in American history. And one of her family's properties is Cosmopolitan Magazine. And she is disturbed by what she has seen in recent years as a tilt to, shall we say, more adult-oriented content, particularly because they continue to market it to uh, our teenage uh, daughters, like what Todd has, what I have at my house as well, what many of you have too. Uh, She doesn't want her, she's not asking for censorship. She's simply asking her family to consider taking the steps that are taken when other adult-oriented material is marketed to the general public. And that is, if you want to put adult material in there, then it should be set aside only for the adults and not risk exposing it to our children. If you agree with this, you want to stand with Victoria and urge Cosmopolitan Magazine to do the right thing here, visit the website, CosmoHurtsKids.com, H-U-R-T-S this time, CosmoHurtsKids.com. Again, that's CosmoHurtsKids.com. All right, back here on the Dace Group, Todd, Aaron, and Shannon here with me on a Friday looking at the week that was. Let's get to issue three, kill them all.
The state of New York signed into law a bill this week which legalized the practice of killing a child moments before it's due to be born. Capital punishment is not legal in New York, so as our friend Matt Walsh pointed out, crimes that earn you a lethal injection in New York? Rape? No. Child abduction? No. Child murder? No. Serial murder? No. Mass shooting? No. Being conceived in the wrong womb? Yes. Here was the reaction of pro-child-killing activists after the bill was signed into law. So, Shannon, because this is your home state, we're going to start with you. Reaction to what is happening there in New York. So, Steve, I have to admit, you know, this is one of those things that um, the word despondent comes to mind for me. And I've been despondent over this for the past couple of days. I had a good cry the other day. Um because it's hard to fathom the gulf between the Democrat Party and the folks who passed that bill and and people like ourselves who believe in the sanctity of life. And for them to do something so brazen, um, so vile, uh, to pass a bill that legalizes the murder of children, it's infanticide, uh, an abortion, up to any moment for any reason, legal in New York State. Um, you know, it, it's it's times like these where you really just, and at least for me, um, mourn what has happened here in New York State. We are in the belly of the beast here, but I have a larger point that I think is more important. But before, I, I want to let you know, this bill is worse than just the legal infanticide and the expansion of abortion. It also defines abortion as a fundamental human right, which is going to be very difficult mm-hmm. for pro-life doctors, pro-life nurses, pro-life insurance companies, you know, gynecological practices. Uh, they are going to go after people who abstain from performing abortions, I think, uh, by you know the, the language that was in this mm-hmm. bill. Mm-hmm. In addition, it allows for non-doctors to perform abortion with no guidelines. And so you could have a situation here in New York with Gosnell-style clinics popping up all over the state because there is hardly any any uh, regulation or... Yeah, Gosnell or, is in prison for basically the rest of his life for what New York just legalized. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It, it, yeah. In addition, um, it describes a person outside the... It's, it describes personhood as being outside the womb and born. So if a woman is assaulted, attacked, uh, raped, murdered, and she, she has a nine-month baby. She's about to give birth, and that baby perishes. In New York State, you will no longer be able to prosecute that person for murder in, in this state because of land. So this bill, is just, it's a disgusting bill. But my larger point, you know, the thing that stands out to me the most about this is the juxtaposition of a Democrat trifecta of power versus a Republican trifecta of power. And people want to point at New York State right now. And I understand that we are in the belly of the beast here. This is where the battle is, because it's clear here. But but it's astounding to me, 20 days, the Democrats take power in the House or the, the Assembly, the Senate and the governorship. And in 20 days, they pass a bill legalizing the murder of children in New York. You give that trifecta of power to Republicans who know what we're dealing with, in Washington, D.C., for two years, mm-hmm. 24 months, they cannot even manage to defund Planned Parenthood. Not only do they not defund Planned Parenthood, they've increased the funding to Planned Parenthood by $20 million in the recent bills. In addition, they've restarted the, the use of 
of baby body parts for federal research. They began that funding again in one of the most recent funding bills. And so the idea here, who, you know, and I go back to Christ and who he called out, and I look at these Democrats in New York, and I know that they don't think about what an abortion is. They don't care what it, they, they don't have eyes to see or ears to hear, and they shut their hearts off, okay? And they vote for this, and they don't even know what it really is, right? And when I think of them, I think of Christ saying, forgive them, for they know not what they do. But I have more anger to Republicans because Republicans know what this is. And it wasn't the prostitute and the tax collector and the sinner that Christ saved his righteous indignation for and his anger. It was the religious leaders of the day, the people who knew exactly what was going on, but did nothing to stop it. And so, yes, we can look at New York State. And yes, I, I ask everyone, Steve, you posted Martin Luther King's letter to from Birmingham prison on Monday of this week. Mm -hmm. And I had never read that letter. I read it for the first time and then I read it again and then I read it again. And here's the point here in New York state as Republicans, we get mad because Republicans lose and we hate Andrew Cuomo and we hate the Democrats. And so we pack up our bags and we move to North Carolina or we go to Florida and everyone comes in and says how awful, what a cesspool New York is. You know what Martin Luther King did? He went to the place where the injustice was happening. He looked and saw where it was the worst, where those moral lines were the clearest. And he went there and he fought. He used direct action. That's what we need to do. And I want to invite anyone to move to New York State because this is, this is the belly of the beast. This is where a battle could truly be waged. Because let me tell you, I have Democrat friends who are disgusted by this bill. But it's never put out there because we're too feckless. Republicans, life activists are too scared to ever bring this up. And so, yes, it's a dark day, but I think it shines a light more clearly on the Republicans and conservatives and so-called pro-life activists from the national level than it does on, on Democrats. Todd. That's a tour de force, Shannon. God bless you and thank you. The one thing I, I didn't hear is that I believe as part of this legislation is that you don't even need to be a doctor to administer an abortion. So what happened to the Hollis is a private and very important and weighty decision between a woman and her doctor. Yeah, doc, you're kind of in the way now, too. Listen, very carefully, I bring in... What I've said about Covington Catholic boys, because I just simply say, as a Catholic and as a Christian, this, what Shannon's talking about, is up we're against. What we're up against. So our standard for, and we're on the March for Life, or in general as Christians, must be high. I bring that up to say that the statement put out by the uh, all of the Catholic bishops of New York, it includes one paragraph after saying that we're moving in the wrong direction, we renew our pledge to offer the resources and services of our charitable agencies and health services to any woman experiencing an unplanned pregnancy to support her in bearing her infant, raising her family, or placing her child for adoption. There are life-affirming choices available, and we aim to make them more widely known and accessible. Blah, blah, blah. That's all very nice. I'm glad those things exist. But I tell you, men, if this is all you do in the face of this, God help you i'm hard on you and everybody who's been hard on uh, on me for the standard was just too high for those boys come raining down I, where's your energy now now in this moment this is what happens when we have no standard these men put out a statement like this and they uh, they should be hearing it 
from every corner of the Catholic and Orthodox Christian universe that you men are weak. You are part of the problem. This accomplishes nothing. You are tiptoeing through the graveyard. God help you men if you do not do more than what you just said in that statement. Aaron, you get the last word. That's well said from from both of you. Who was the who was the Roman uh, emperor who would essentially uh, alight bodies on fire? Nero. Just, Nero. Yeah. This week, guys, we lit up the World Trade Center. The governor of New York lit up the World Trade Center. Other monuments around New York. Um, in honor of this, we are in that territory. We're in that territory now. I I put out an imprecatory prayer on Twitter, and I meant it. I was not being flippant. You should never be flippant with imprecatory. But anybody who I, I guess maybe the better response I should have had is one of Shannon. Forgive them for they know not what they do. But um, anybody who had anything to do with this, I hope they come to Christ very quickly. Um, but if it's not God's will for them, uh, then, then I do hope that they make a, a swift demise. Um, again, in that order, very quickly, uh, very, very important. This is unspeakable, unspeakable evil. And when we talk about, when we talk about the pro-life movement, the only thing, the, the, the biggest coverage that the pro-life movement has gotten at their biggest event of the last 40 years, the, the March for Life, the most coverage that's ever gotten, I would say, was this year. And it was because of MAGA. the boys. It was because of, yeah, because of MAGA. Um, we, I will just leave it at this. Revival starts at a personal level from the inside out. That's what we need. That's the only thing that's going to save us. And it's not revival that saves us. It is Jesus Christ working in and through us uh, to... Uh, to accomplish uh, his will. We are to be salt and light. There is very little light. We are not very salty when it comes to actually uh, going against the grain and sticking out for the good reasons. God have mercy. Exit question. I've asked this before. Ask it again. Do you think any of us will live to see the end of this Holocaust in America, Todd? Yes or no? No. Shannon. You know, um, all things are possible through Christ who strengthens us. I think that's the scripture. I might have gotten it wrong. But of course, of course, I always hold out hope. Um, You never know when he's going to start working. Aaron? I I, I hope so, but at this point, no. I'll tell you this. Historically, when, when Caesar, when Nero, or any other... When the earthly authorities get this brazen, the reckoning is just around the corner. They're either about to lose or the culture's about to go down. It's always one or the two, and sometimes you're not sure which one. So I can make a strong case that when you see how blatant they are now, that's because the devil knows his time is short. So I'm going to be the one guy that says, yes. Exit question, I'm sorry, issue four, costumed regrets. Former Florida Secretary of State Michael Ertle resigned this week after photos of a former Halloween costume surfaced. He was apparently dressed as what was then described as a Hurricane Katrina victim, a costume which included black face paint. 
Who told him this was a good idea? It, 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 why would you ever do that? What? 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 All right. So first question. Which questionable Halloween costume choice from yesteryear do you look back on now and regret? And Todd, since you're already laughing, the laugh of a guilty man. I'm going to you first. Oh, regret? Oh, man, I was... I was very subdued. I don't even... I, I remember once in college wearing a costume, um, but mostly I just went and grabbed a beer and people watched like I do at the state fair, man. I, I, You're too cool for school? Well, I just didn't try that hard. I mean, really, they, I, I'll tell... If you give me a second to think about it, I'll no, tell you. I kinda, I can... I've got something planned because I, I knew I kind of figured that would be your answer. But Shannon, let me go to you. Do you have a questionable Halloween costume choice from yesteryear you now regret that you hope never sees the light of day? We did it up right in college and in my early 20s. And once my kids got older, I mean, you don't do costumes anymore because you're so busy dealing with their costumes. I'll tell you my favorite costume I ever did. One year I was, uh, remember Marla Singer from Fight Club? Yeah. And Ed Norton, my husband and yeah. I, we went out, we went as Ed Norton and Marla Singer. And that was my favorite costume ever. So I don't have one that I regret. Um, well, you should regret it already because the first rule of Fight Club is you do not talk, talk about, fight. about Fight Club. So you should already, you, you should be, you should be a person of remorse and regret right now. Aaron, do you have a Halloween costume from yesteryear that you regret? I think I've worn a total of like two Halloween costumes in my life, and I have no regrets. It was when I was like four and maybe again when I was nine. Oh, yeah, that's right, homeschool kid. All right, so I I knew you guys were all going to cop out on this about your past. So I thought we would gaze into the future. And a look at what could be, for each of you, the most controversial, politically incorrect cultural approach appropriation costumes that each of you could wear are you guys ready for this you guys yeah. had no idea this was coming did you i hope to wear these so with pride. La- ladies first so this oh, is the God. most inappropriate costume that shannon could wear all right this is shannon <laughs> as aisha muhammad's nine-year-old child bride all right is that a politically incorrect costume do you think yes i'm Just doing little- it I'm doing it. Yeah, you enjoyed that one? Yes. All right, Todd, you're next. All right, who's too cool for school? All right, this is Todd as the trainee that tore up the GameStop before Christmas because they had the wrong pronoun usage. Todd, your thoughts. (laughs) If I I didn't have four daughters to look at me when I was wearing that, I would do that as well. (laughs) All right, Aaron, you're up. This is Aaron as Che Guevara after he's gunned down at least 180 Cubans, including women and children. I'm good with that. You like that? Yeah, yeah, sure. Nice, 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 uh, nice, nice death stick there. Appreciate that's a nice touch. Mm -hmm. Yes. Last but certainly not least, here is me as Benny Hinn getting ready to slay y'all in the spirit. How you like them apples? Huh? Which culture are you appropriating there? Uh, all of them. Yeah, okay. Hillary Clinton's wardrobe uh, during yes, the 2016 election go. as well. There yes. you go. That's, my, that's what I, I... Everybody wants to know, why didn't she go to Wisconsin? I wanted to know why she kept dressing like Benny Hinn. That's what I wanted to know. This, you may have just managed to 
spark the fire that turns Halloween into the purge. It might happen. Can you imagine? <laughs> All right, let's get to predictions. We got about a minute here. Shannon, go quickly. Um, okay, so Democrat uh, primary. I've been watching Kirsten Gillibrand here in New York State, and I have a feeling that she might be a little more of a um, a powerhouse in terms of that okay. nomination than people think. All right, Todd. Uh Cuomo, this is his salvo. He's he's running for president, Andrew Cuomo. Mm-hmm. Highest death count wins over in the Democratic primary, basically. Aaron? Uh, yeah, Fran McCaffrey will not last two more seasons as head coach of Iowa's basketball team. Okay. Uh, since we're doing self-serving predictions, I'll throw one here at the end. Had a very promising meeting this week, uh, and I'm going to predict we're going to begin to break ground on the nefarious plot film adaptation uh, at some point. This century? In 2019. Oh, this year. Oh, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, at some point this year. That, that's my prediction. All right. Shannon, always good to see you. Thanks for joining us. Have a great weekend, okay? Appreciate your contribution. All right, we will come back here in a matter of moments uh, with uh, hour two of the show. And when we do, I'm going to lead off with a truth bomb. I, I keep seeing this, and it keeps being asked of me, and I don't, I don't understand this. And maybe folks can explain it to me. Uh, We'll get to that in Feedback Friday when we come back here with hour number two. Stay tuned. Live and on demand right here on The Blaze. Back here with Hour 2 of the Steve Dace Show, live and on demand on The Blaze. I am Steve Dace, hence the clever title of the program. Todd and Aaron are here with me as well. Feedback Friday coming your way later on this hour. Steve at stevedace.com is how you can email us if you want your feedback responded to. Or you can look us up on Facebook, like us there, follow us on Twitter, at Steve Dace Show. I want to thank this audience for none of you liking us on Facebook. None of you. Like, none of you have liked us on Facebook in about six and a half months, yep. according to Facebook. Yep. That's really cool, yep. you know? So, According I to whom? I, I don't know Thank why they Ron. keep uh, contracting to carry the show on The Blaze. We apparently have nobody watching or listening because no one has liked us. On, 80% of Americans have a Facebook account. None of them have liked us, according to Facebook, in the last six months. None, nobody. Me- meanwhile, on Twitter, as we're trying to get ourselves suspended... Um, <laughs> Our, all of our accounts keep growing for some reason. Yeah, nobody, nobody. So I, I, I should probably even just stop mentioning Facebook. Nobody likes us there, apparently. At least nobody else. But uh, you can uh, try to get uh, your feedback to us that way, or follow us on Twitter at uh, Steve Dace Show, where they do still like us, but we will likely all be suspended soon. Yes, indeed. Um, we'll get to today's truth bomb in a second, but this is the moment now. I've been looking forward to this moment, the entire show right now you know i often dog aaron for humble brags Mm. not so cleverly disguised and camouflaged as live reads here at the steve day show we call this doing the full aaron the full aaron the full aaron full council of aaron (laughs) (laughs) delusions of grandeur are fun this, this is where the entire commercial promoting a product is really you bragging on yourself all the way through can I get one of those, by the way? I've been left out of that. I can help. <laughs> I can do this. I'm a guy. I can totally exaggerate my capabilities and, uh, and, and talents. I'm your man. Absolutely. I am your man. Yes. But now, now I am about to engage in the full errand. So 
Each month with our workout regimen, we have one Friday a month is testing day. All right, it's the last Friday of every month. And today is the last Friday of January. So today was fitness testing day. And the way we've laid it out, and when I say we, it's me and Noah, my you know, almost 12-year-old son. So the way we lay this out is, it, and it's based on a series of exercises that when I, I used to belong to a health club, or a, that was kind of the JV version of CrossFit, basically. Like higher than the average person could work out, but we couldn't do this stuff that the CrossFitters do. So we were, I used to call us the JV version of CrossFit. And when we would do our fitness testing every month, it was in this format. And so Noah and I do this exact same format. Here's how it works. It's one minute for every exercise, as many reps as you can get, and we keep a record of it. And then you get 90 seconds of rest in between while the other person goes for a minute and then plus another 30 seconds. All right? So there's not a lot of time there for your muscle recovery. And the way it works is uh, it's, it's these five exercises, push-ups, squats, uh, sit-ups, Squat jumps or air squats, as most people know them. It's actually six exercises. Russian twists, and as I've told Noah since the, uh, the time he was born, anything that starts with the name with Russian in the name is probably bad, right? Uh, well, it's actually seven. Thrusters, hip thrusters, and then seven. And I keep telling him your wife's going to thank me for teaching you those later, but he has no idea what I'm talking about right now. And then seven is jump ropes, okay? These seven exercises. This month... I did testing for the first time after dropping a couple of from dawn till dusk energy, all natural energy supplements from Brickhouse Nutrition. You know where this is going, right? Mm. And I did this on purpose. Now, if I did not get the results I had hoped I was going to get, I just would have found a whole other angle uh, to talk about from dawn till dusk right now. But now some of it is... You know, January I tend to test well because I'm back on it's I'm back on the low carb lifestyle after totally over and you know I, I do this for like nine and a half months of the year and then like th- two weeks before Halloween and then all through the rest yes, of the we're holidays. familiar with pumpkin spice all the things <laughs> yeah, pumpkin spice all the things yes all right so I'm kind of I'm back on this I'm back on the wagon you know but I was back on the wagon last January too when I tested well and I didn't test this well so I'm looking at my numbers right now I I broke my personal best on push-ups which was the first exercise, jump rope at the end. So there's that's an endurance energy thing because these are the those are the bookend exercises, and then jump squats in the middle. Okay, so I got to give a major endorsement, man. And my I could sense my energy level was higher. My recovery level was better. All right, so that is my personal recommendation. While I talk about myself. And oh, by the way, it, it, the pro, yes, I'm talking about me, and that's really important right now. Uh, but it, it, almost as important uh, is Brickhouse Nutrition, team of physicians, and their product from dawn till dusk. Uh, it's an all-natural energy supplement, and it tested well today. It tested well. If you want to try this out, all right, here's what you need to do. Uh, visit BrickhouseSteve.com. That's the website, all one word, BrickhouseSteve.com. Use the promo code Steve. They'll give you 15% off of your first order. BrickhouseSteve.com. Promo code Steve for the 15% discount. And again, it's all natural. There's not 75 ingredients and 74 of them you can't pronounce. 
Okay, from dusk till dawn, or from dawn till dusk. That's what you're looking for at BrickHouseSteve.com. Aaron, I now await your oh, feedback, man. and whether or not I pulled off the full Aaron with that live read. Yeah, the full counsel of Aaron has been realized right before my eyes, and it is. I've raised uh, my. I've raised the stakes here. It is something. The amount to of iTarget Pro you're going to be doing this oh. weekend. All right. In yeah. order to brag on yourself when that product comes up next week is pretty legendary right it, now, I got to think. It will be, yeah. No, I'm, I'm proud of you. You're like Lee Majors in The Six Million Dollar Man now. It's just... Yes, when it comes to self-flagellation, yes. Yes. All right, let's get to today's truth bomb. More self-promotion? Yes. Always. Yes, always. When yes. in doubt, I'm like, always. I'm like an SEC football team. I'm never off probation. I'm just in between probations. <laughs> right, I'm never off self-promotion. I'm in between self-promotion. Thank you. All right. Uh, this is a completely, con- at least I'm honest about it, for goodness sure, sakes. Yeah. A completely contrived attempt to have an excuse to promote my new book, Truth Bombs. Publisher contacted me today. Very happy with our first two weeks of sales. Let's keep the momentum going. My children won't be happy for another few months at this pace, all right? They are expecting a Disney Christmas, okay? So this is where you guys come in. I'm doing this for you so that you can do this for me. Go to Amazon.com. Was that a bad sales pitch? It's a good. It's a pretty good book, right? Uh, it's still a pretty good no, book. You, we talk all the time about uh, going for the emotional appeal. Um, do it safe, for the children, the day children. Do it for the children, yes. <laughs> I should go get really – in fact, I'm pulling that next week. I'm going to go back and find, like, really sad pictures of my kids when they were little. Do it for the children. I'm, sa- I'm going to Sally Struthers, this son of a gun. That's what I'm going to do. All right, go to Amazon.com right now. Get your copy of Truth Bombs, Confronting the Lies, Conservatives Believe to Our Own Demise. Uh, and if you have already purchased your copy, if you wouldn't mind, if you liked it, don't lie if you didn't like it. But if you did like it, if you could leave us a five-star review at Amazon. I've had two people now telling me I'm only leaving you a four-star review. I expected a higher body count. I love that criticism. All right? So uh, it's called Truth Bombs, by the way, not Truth Napalm. But if you liked the book, if you could leave us a five-star review at Amazon, I would greatly appreciate it. Thank you to all of you that have already done so. So here's our Truth Bomb today. I, I don't I, – I really don't understand something. So the breaking news this morning is Roger Stone has been indicted on multiple felonies uh, by the Mueller probe and was arrested today by an FBI raid. And it looked like it. I mean, it, I haven't seen the FBI that militarized uh, it, and since it uh, wanted to, uh, uh, you know, send Ilian Gonzalez back to Cuba. OK, <laughs> I mean, having interviewed Roger Stone a few times, I can tell you a few things. He's a liar. He's a kook. You wouldn't want him anywhere near you, your loved ones, or any valuables. He's also probably not much of a physical danger that required a dawn raid from the FBI that supposedly doesn't have the money for such a thing because we're in the midst of a government shutdown. Or at least we are for about another hour, according to Drudge. Because it looks like Trump has bellied up to the chicken counter like Chris Rock. And I'm going to get you, sucker. And he has asked, how much for one rib? All right. Looks like the cave is a coming. Any minute now. All right. I know yeah. that makes you happy. Yes. Yes. And I actually thought a week ago at this time we were going to win this thing. What in the hell is wrong with me? Did I read my own book? <laughs> Who wrote this thing? Goodness sakes, man. All right, so there's... Now, I'm, I, I, I'm sure there are reasons 
why CNN just happened to be at Roger Stone's house at 5 a.m. for an FBI Elian Gonzalez-esque raid. I'm sure there are reasons. They just happen to all be bad. All right? Right? I'm sure they just happen to be walking by Roger. Hey, look, guys. FBI SWAT showed up. Roll, roll the camera. Somebody call Atlanta. Stephen Vetter, did you hear who see who his neighbor is? Yeah, no. Chad Johnson. Chad Ochocinco. <laughs> no! He's commenting yeah. on Twitter no, about Twitter it. No, Twitter was like, man, my that, neighbor you, Roger just got arrested that, by all, the FBI. It's, it, you know, like, as Fletch, to paraphrase Fletch, it's all a reality show these yep. days. <laughs> Let's call. It's all a reality show yeah, these amazing. days. amazing. All right, so. Let's call uh, Roger Stone Ocho Sace from now on. <laughs> now, to be serious for a second, remember, I, I predicted here, for those of you that... It, weren't aware of us before we joined up with the blaze if you were part of the original crtv audience we sat here a year ago you guys remember i told you the way this would ultimately play out is there has to be two one there's gonna have to be one of two outcomes there are no what there is no outcome given the people that have already been implicated where Mueller comes back and says got nothing that was never gonna happen no clean bill of health no and the minute and i told you the minute they they Appointed a special counsel, there would be. This was going to end with multiple indictments. Did we not say that? Mm-hmm. That's because that's how these always end. It was just going to be a matter of when they occurred and whether they were credible or not. All right. So I, I told you guys about a year ago on this show. You can go back into our archives, look it up. You'll hear it. This was going to end one of two ways. They would have direct link of Russian collusion, which they still have yet to produce. On the other hand, there's a lot of troubling, shady associations around this president that are documented as well. So if we're not going to have evidence of direct Russian collusion, meaning Trump's on the phone with Putin or a proxy, if we're not going to have that or Trump Jr. or somebody like that, if we're not going to have that, well, then there's going to have to be offered up a reasonable explanation. Who's the who's the portal? Who's the conduit? Who's the scapegoat that is the connective tissue that brought all these shady associations around Trump? And who did I tell you that was going to be? Did I tell you a year ago? I didn't remember until you reminded me, but yeah. it was Stone. Yeah, I told you it was going to be Roger Stone was going to be the person. And it was just going to be a matter whether Trump threw him under the bus to say he's the guy that, uh, you know, he's the one that did it, or whether the Mueller people said, you're the one. All right? But that, we're in the midst of that now. Now, if you read, uh, and I've not had a chance to read it all the way through, because it, it literally broke as I was getting my morning schedule. I'm going to read it when I get home today. Um, just looking quickly at the indictments from the Mueller probe, none of them are directly involved in the Russian collusion. They're all about attempts by Stone to lie or obstruct the investigation into Russian collusion, similar to Nixon and Watergate. I mean, nobody, no, nobody had him on, nobody charged him with personally ordering the break-in. They charged him with trying to obstruct the investigation against it, okay? Um, Here's what you need to know about Roger Stone. Not worth a scintilla of your political capital. Uh, pretty much a fiend and a fraud. He has opposed, if you're a conservative, at some point in time, pretty much every cause during the course of his career you care about. Uh, his former wife, Ann Stone, used to lobby for, spent years lobbying to take the pro-life plank out of the GOP platform. Total freak show, weirdo, um, and not worth dying on any hill for on any level whatsoever and and his last political act was to threaten the delegates in Cleveland at the 2016 GOP convention that were trying to use 
um, lawful parliamentary procedure, according to the Republican Party's uh, rules, uh, to oppose Trump's nomination uh, was to threaten them with revealing their locations and rooms in Cleveland, basically so that they could be publicly intimidated by outing them. That was kind of his last official act as a Trump confidant. He has been a Trump confidant for years, uh, going back to when Trump was writing checks to Al Sharpton. Okay, so... Um, while, while the leftist media, but I repeat myself, narrative of Russian collusion has yet to yield any fruit. The other narrative, and Shannon was talking about this last hour, there's this click-servative narrative that Mueller's got nothing. I, that, that's, that's not true either. He's got binders full of blue dresses. Yeah, yeah, I mean, we've got guilty now. We have the president's national security advisor pled guilty. The president's campaign manager pled guilty. The president's lawyer, fixer, pled guilty. And now we have indicted the president's longest-running political operative in Roger Stone. If we, if we reversed team uniforms, would any of us be sitting here today making the claim that this is nothing? Would any of us be making this claim? Certainly not. Would, oh, anybody, no, not. would any of our peers or anybody we know be making this claim? Would anybody no, in our audience no. be making this claim? No. no. Okay. Now, the magnitude of the something, that's in the eye of the beholder. I don't care what the media writes about this story because it's been proven fake so many times that the, the Buzzfeed story, this should be huge news today, but on the heels of the fake news from Buzzfeed last Friday, it's, it's a tree falling in the forest. They they're so over their skis. They've so overestimated this so many times that when the actual game changing moment happens, people are like, (gasps) I think they're all crooks anyway. That's not deniable at the very least. The president has surrounded himself with, un, contrary to what he promised us, not necessarily the very best people. That, that's, not even, that's not even a debatable point. Here's, here is my struggle. Is I have people on my Facebook wall and in my email inbox and in my Twitter feed that are conservatives. We're on our side. Mm-hmm. And it, this came up with Michael Cohen's plea too. Michael Cohen's getting railroaded. Oh, maybe he is, huh? When they tried to railroad you... Did you just take a plea to make it go away? What did you do? Uh, I said, hell no. Yeah, because your livelihood, legacy. And most importantly, I was innocent. And your innocence were all at stake. Yeah, you took the Des Moines Police Department all the way to court in order to prove your innocence. Yeah, right. One. Yeah. So I don't know. Is it possible? I'm a total depravity kind of guy. Do I think it's totally possible Michael Cohen's being railroaded? Sure. My response is, so? I mean, dude pled guilty. Tell me, what, tell me what standard I'm supposed to hold other than in a court of law, he walked in there and said, I'm guilty of everything. Why should I care more? Here's my truth bomb today. Why should me or you care more about Michael Cohen's innocence or perceived innocence than Michael Cohen does? I've got people telling me General Flynn was railroaded. Oh, might have been. But he pled guilty. First of all, he lied to the vice president. That's why he got fired from the Trump White House. So now you think, so, I, so Flynn was railroaded, so Trump was wrong to fire him for lying to the VP then? Help me to understand how all these things can be simultaneously true. So maybe Michael Flynn was railroaded. I don't know. And you know what? Like Tommy Lee Jones says to Harrison Ford in uh, The Fugitive, I don't care. You pled guilty, bro. I mean, why should I care more about Michael Flynn's evidence? And why do any of you listening and watching right now, why do you care more about his innocence than he does? 
That makes no sense to me. Let's say he was railroaded. Well, then in my case, from my perspective, Robert Mueller did me a favor because he'd have sucked as a national security advisor. You mean to tell me you can't defend yourself from a railroad, from an independent council? But we were going to trust you to give the the commander-in-chief the right advice to stand up to the global Islamic jihad? Pass. Hard pass. Hard pass. So from my perspective on either side of this, I don't care. You walked in there. You pled guilty. These people have pled guilty. I don't understand... And, and help me, if, and if it's just as simple as tribalism, then we'll just move on and get to Feedback Friday. Is there another explanation of this, other than just tribalism, why I should care more about Paul Monifer's treatment than he does? Why I should care more about Michael Flint's guilt or innocence than he does? Why I should care more about the way, uh, about the guilt or innocence of Michael Cohen than he does? What, what higher value is there other than the defendant himself walking in there and saying, I did it. Then uh, where, where, here, where, where am I? What am I supposed I'll, to do with that? I'll, I'll play devil's advocate, please, uh, for a little bit. Um, it, could there be a case be made that pleading guilty will be less ruinous than trying to fight the Mueller investigation in court, and that's why they're pleading guilty, even though they still may be railroaded. Is that an explanation? Sure, but it would only be less ruinous if you don't have a lot of exculpatory evidence. I mean. I don't know, man. If it was not to mention, understand, these are all people pleading guilty. And in Michael Cohen's case, he's turning state's evidence against the one guy on the equation that can write him a pardon. So what's less ruinous other than a year ago, Michael Cohen was at the right hand of the most powerful man in the world. And a year later, he's going to prison for three years. What's what's what's. What's what can be and he's lost everything that he had his own little mini empire he built all gone. What's more ruinous than that? Do you know? Todd, I, I don't no, ask I, him. No, I'm not. I'm not going to try to four dimensional test this. This is this is not uh, worth following that far down the line. What I will say is that what Steve is laying out is what and it's important the way he said it. There's there's clearly something here uh it's not a total nothing burger but the more of the something that we keep find this intolerable level of just stupid is the reason why i still believe more and more that it this is a nothing burger in terms of russian collusion i i think the joker slash uh vladimir putin is sitting over there he he i know the squealers when i see him he just he he saw just he got away with it. We know that he did what he did. We know he got away with it in terms of intervening with the election, but he just knew he had all this stupid as cover. They didn't have to carry thing out. This is look at now that people can legitimately on the left try to heap it on these guys because they're so impossibly stupid. I mean, I there's there we've talked a lot about on the show about just wickedness. Uh here it's it this is a clown college. And this is not just a clown college that's symptomatic of the people that have gotten in this administration more and more and more. Let's reset that word again at the beginning of the week that we pulled out of mothballs after a little while. This lucid insanity is just pervasive everywhere you look. These guys are not, uh, I mean, really, they're not crack, they might be dealing crack dealers, but you know, these are 
people that are f- capable of functioning at a high level on some level, but there is just no there there. I, I don't understand the desire to have sympathy for a, a known Vladimir Putin paid political operative like Paul Modifort. I don't understand it. I don't. I don't understand the desire to have sympathy for a guy who didn't disclose to get a paycheck from uh, Turkey's wannabe uh, uh, caliphate. Um, I don't understand it. I don't. I don't understand. I I will bet you, I'll bet you my show. Roger Stone was responsible for the National Enquirer hit on Ted Cruz's alleged mistresses uh, and, and all that garbage. Why, why should I show any sympathy for that on any level at all? Why? Occam, I don't understand. What's Occam's razor say? I mean, uh, to, to, uh, to the uh, previous question, Occam's razor, the only explanation why you should is tribalism. That's, that's about the only thing that I can think of. Then we will just move on because I can't think of another explanation either. I, I, don't, I don't know why you, some of you want me to be more concerned about the innocence of these people pleading guilty than obviously they are. I, I, don't, I don't understand that. Let's move on. Let's get to Feedback Friday. Steve at stevedace.com is the email address. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Day Show. Michael Weissman writes, here's how much amnesty, in answer to the question we asked the audience earlier this week, how much amnesty are you willing to give up for a wall? Because Trump broached this question via Twitter over mm-hmm. the weekend. Michael Weissman says, here's how much amnesty I'm willing to give up for a wall. One person for every mile of wall built. Now, I kind of like his line of thinking there. Unfortunately, it looks like the cave is on, Michael. So... We're just going to do this every few weeks to get a, uh, a continuing resolution. And I don't know what to tell you. I, I don't. But I, here's, what I, here's what I could tell you. Can you send your resume to 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue? Um, because they could use some of your level of ingenuity and creativity here, Michael. They could, they could definitely use that. That's what I would tell you. Next, um, this is interesting. In fact, this one's a little bit long, and we're up against the break, so I'm going to save it for when we come back. But when we come back, after the break, there's an email from one of our listeners explaining media behavior that I think is right on the money. We'll get to that in a minute. Let's go to this one, who's a little, which is a little bit shorter, from Gene in Georgia. Um. I agree that as much as the left is capable, the Gillette ad was attempting to put forth a positive message, though I don't believe they know they are promoting biblical or absolute truth, like parents uh, raise your children in the way they should go. When they get older, they will not depart from it. Uh, I do think their ad, in a way, is an example of that what God meant for e- or what they meant for evil, God used for good. P.S. Watch your show every day. Love some truth bombs, and uh, your book arrived today. Thank you, Gene. If you get a chance to read it, let us know what you think. This is in reaction to the debate we had earlier this week about the Gillette ad, um, that which I think actually first aired last Friday was when that ad debuted right before the NFC and AFC championship games, but. Um, that we now know, Gillette, we know who the director, or the, the, the architect of the ad is, is, you know, a feminist, you know, um, man-hater. We know all that now. But it doesn't change the irony of the, of the back half of that ad is 
they're actually asking as for a solution the very masculinity that they think on its on its face is toxic so do they want men to be men or not you know i i, I would imagine feminists cheered this woman's work in the first half of that ad but then in the second half of that ad weren't comfortable at all that the you know the the antidote that they prescribed is exactly for me the kind of young man I'm I'm trying to raise as best as I imperfectly can. I'm trying to raise my son Noah to be that guy, to be that sheepdog that speaks up when someone's being bullied, to be that sheepdog that speaks up when someone's doing the wrong thing. You know, typically feminists don't want masculinity asserted on any level whatsoever because they're not opposed to toxic masculinity. They're opposed to masculinity. Yeah, I, just, I think it's actually the reverse, because if you said, you know, wrote him a letter, say, I applaud you uh, for uh, what you uh, embodied there at the end in terms of biblical masculinity, they said, oh, lady, no, that's really not what we were doing. We're actually, and this is often how uh, Hollywood works, uh, both with our kids and uh, with adults, they, they, they try to lure us in with enough of what has the facade of tradition holiness goodness whatever but oh they're baiting and switching like this like crazy so i i i it's perhaps a charism of yours to hope for the best in this one and god bless you uh, i just can't do it bill williams writes want to thank you guys for every moment you and your team mention your faith and the way you frame your worldview it has stirred something uh, deep inside of me and awakened my own spiritual curiosity and pushed me forward on my journey uh, with God. I pray every day and thank God for bringing uh, me uh, through his word to all of you and uh, another friend of mine who's done the same as well. I'm grateful for you guys more than you know, and I like the no BS. Thank you, Bill. And Bill, it's people like you and responses like this. That's why we do what we do here. And more importantly, though, the way that we do it. We do it this way for that reason. Um, because where is the hope when the human element and leaders we have put our trust in fail us? You know, I've got a column out for Conservative Review today and the opening sentence is uh, playing off of Charles Dickens' uh, famous uh, uh, tale of two cities. Um, it was the worst of times. It was the worst of times. <laughs> I mean, the leadership we have seen uh, for the last uh, several days uh, has, has not, from, from our human leaders, has not been in, inspiring. In fact, it can, it, it, it can debilitate you. It can cause you just to shut it down and to give up standing up for what's right. Um, while that sentiment is understandable, it's, it's, it's never justified. And the way to overcome it is to put our faith in the right kind of hope and leadership. And that's why we do what we do, Bill, to inspire people like you. Back with more here on The Blaze next. Well, I know a lot of you have identity theft protection, and that is good, particularly in this day and age. So when you hear a story like what happened right before Christmas, uh, Marriott Corporation through their Starwood Hotel line uh, was breached. Uh, their data was breached. 500 million identities 
were stolen. You read something like that and you're like, hey, I, I've been through this before. My identity theft is on it. Someone tries to penetrate my checking account, et cetera. Good. Uh, but what if they use the information they took from there uh, and instead went after some of your you know, secondary uh, level uh, identity and investments that your identity theft doesn't protect? For example, your own home. Well, how could they do that, you might ask? Well, uh, you know, back in the day, it was really hard to just kind of pilfer the deed or the title to somebody's home because they, it'd be actual paper. They're, you know, you have to show photo ID, but that's racist now. Uh, and you'd have to go down like physically to the county recorder's office or <clears throat> the county assessor's office. Uh, nowadays, all that stuff's online, which is cool. It makes it more accessible for us to access our own information. But it does mean when our um, information is stolen, Maybe they can't steal your identity, but they can take your identification information that they've obtained through thefts like this and use it to pretend they're you. How would that work? Well, they might now have a checking account number. They might have the last four digits of a social security number, a middle initial, a maiden name. You know, the kinds of things that you enter in as, hey, this is my, my secondary proof of who I am when I go and do blank. And then they go, now they go to your county accessor site, uh, county recorder site, enter that information in and forge a signature, and it makes it easier for them to pretend they're you. And then you might be like, well, I mean, if they want my home, they can have it. I'm, you know, I can't afford the mortgage now. Oh, no. What they're going to do is liquidate that equity so that your most, invest, your most uh, valuable investment that most Americans will ever have no longer has value to you because they've stolen that value away from you. Here's the solution. Home title lock. It's just pennies a day. We'll put a virtual barrier around the most valuable investment almost any of us will ever have, our own home, particularly its equity. And that way, if they detect anything sinister whatsoever, they will move to action right away to protect that investment. You don't know. Maybe your home's title has already been compromised or targeted. If you want to find out, it's free. Normally, it's $100 for a title scan report from Home Title Lock. They're giving it today to our Blaze family for nothing. All you have to do is go to HomeTitleLock.com. That's HomeTitleLock.com. All right, I was teasing this note here on Feedback Friday. This is from Dave. And I think this is really smart. And you know I think it's really smart because it's normally way too long for what I would read on the air, but it's a good long. CNN's target audience is Democratic leadership. The content of networks like CNN is, directly, is directed exclusively towards its financial benefactors who provide Time Warner with corporate welfare and regulatory favoritism. CNN is indifferent to low ratings, therefore, and revenue shortfalls because the big money comes from crony corporate socialism. Lose hundreds of millions with low ratings to gain billions in government largesse. Not a bad business model if you are a morally parasitic, which American commerce has sadly become. In the GOP, the relationship is equally venal but inverted. Rather than business ingratiating itself to corrupt Democratic politicians for financial gain, corrupt Republican politicians ingratiate themselves to business for financial gain. Even as CNN generates rejection from potential viewers, Republican leadership perpetually alienates the conservative base to satiate its corporate masters. Theoretically, broadcasters are not supposed to alienate their viewers and politicians are not supposed to alienate their voters. But there's an overpowering factor at play. Avarice. Lot 
Astert, Cantor, they all betrayed the voters to enrich multinational conglomerates and then received massive kickbacks upon exiting Congress. Cantor is making $3 million annually on Wall Street for apparently doing jack squat. But he serves as a vital reminder to GOP politicians that if you two are obedient and betray the base, you will prosper, even if they vote you out. Bottom line, Time Warner receives massive kickbacks for propagandizing on behalf of the Democratic Party. And that explains CNN's otherwise irrationally self-destructive behavior. The alternative explanation is that the Barracudas who run Time Warner graciously pay pretend journalists multi-million dollar salaries in order to enjoy an ocean of CNN red ink. As the Bible constantly reinforces, the default motive when dealing with human beings is greed. Todd. Nailed it. Uh, We've been riffing on that in various ways. Uh, in the last uh, couple months, we we talked about that um, when we had uh, Eric Bowling on the show and talking about uh, corporations um, and uh, what we get in return for ta- things like tax increment financing. We taught we've touched on that talking about uh, with uh, Tucker Carlson uh, a little bit. They're all related to each other. This uh, this guy um, has elaborated very well on a simple theme uh there's no that's not four-dimensional chess uh but that is an absolute checkmate right there my friend well done at what was his name i'm sorry dave dave i i I kept his last name out of it yeah no I, i i understand that dave that is right on the money i think this goes back to what we were talking about i believe it was yesterday with the context surrounding the archduke ferdinand moment Mm -hmm. the the primary motivating factor of of how that got to where it was was greed because the the elites were making a bank and the system was working out great for them for so long and i think that again ties into what dave was talking about the the greed that drives a lot of this pretty much all of this maybe uh, um you know especially when it comes to republicans betraying their base uh, perpetually that is hitting it right on the money and it's why our country is careening now off the side of of the highway Uh, because when you start to realize that your voice really does you can vote but your vote really doesn't matter uh when people start to think like that things get very very Mm -hmm. testy very Mm -hmm. quickly and we're just seeing the beginning of that, honestly. As bad as things seem right now, we're really just seeing the beginning of that. Dave, what you're laying out is a practical, real-world application with something I have pointed out on a, on a macro level. That there's this idea that America, you know, typically if you look at American history, we've, we have averaged every 20 to 40 years a major political realignment. And there's this notion that the last time we had one was 45 years ago with Roe v. Wade, and I write about that in Truth Bombs. You know, prior to Roe v. Wade, uh, going back to when we started doing exit polling information, uh, I mean, the Catholics as a voting bloc never voted Republican. I think, I think once, and for Ike, when he ran for re-election. You know, the first uh, Catholic nominee for president, um, 
who am I thinking of? From Al New York. Smith. Al Smith uh, was, you know, was a Democrat. Uh, a lot of Catholics were immigrants that had come over from Western Europe uh, at the late, latter 19th and early 20th century. And the Democrats were considered the more pro-immigrant party and the Republicans were the WASP, white Anglo-Saxon Protestant party. So Catholics never felt like they had a home in the GOP. Uh, and evangelicals as a voting bloc after Scopes, you know, fundamentalist Christians largely retreated uh, from the front lines of, uh, of what was happening culturally at that point in time until the Billy Graham crusade started. And so here we have Roe v. Wade that has now, you know, the GOP adopts, well, the GOP was forced to adopt uh, the, the idea of being a pro-life party mainly because of the advent of Reagan's coalition, which without Roe v. Wade would have never happened. There would not have been a third Reagan stool because evangelicals would have remained in their pews reading Hal Lindsey books, convinced Jesus was coming back in 1988. And Catholics would have felt like, you know, we just don't have a home in the Republican Party. And some of our other, other social teaching about, uh, you know, caring for the poor actually lines up more with the Democratic Party anyway. Uh, so this, there's a lot of notion that Roe v. Wade was the last major political realignment in America. Therefore, we're overdue for one because that was 46 years ago. You did have one. It's just it's been missed. Political realignments don't always just happen in the general population. This one happened in the elite sectors, and it's happened in the last decade. Right on cue. We always have a major political realignment every 20 to 40 years. And when you saw it, when you saw it manifest itself was the TARP. And that was the notion that corporate America was now too big to fail. Why, why was it too big to fail? Here's why. See, they, see in, in a previous era, they would have broke up Ma Bell into small little regional or local companies. Why didn't they do that with Bear Stearns and Lehman Brothers? Why didn't they do that? Well, because if you break up companies like that or allow them, and what I mean by break up is you allow them to fail. And you force them to break off, like what's happened to Fox, for example. Disney wanted to buy some of Fox but didn't want to own Fox News Channel or the Fox Sports Nets. And so, you know, those are going to be bought by separate companies and divvied up. That's how it used to work. But see, if you allow these, these major banks to break up into regional or local subsidiaries, here's what happens. They no longer have the millions in discretionary spending to donate to these political parties through soft money donations. They don't have that kind of cash. Your local bank in your hometown doesn't have... $20 million sitting around to split $10 million to the Democrats off money and $10 million. They don't have that kind of cash. Neiman Brothers does. Barrett Stearns does. You know what I'm saying? Gee, that's why. So when the politicians said these banks were too big to fail, what they were really saying is, we're too big to fail. That was your opening salvo. I'll never forget pollster Scott Rasmussen back when Rasmussen actually did real polling. When he was running it, it, he, it doesn't anymore and he hasn't been there in years. I'll never forget him telling me the most unpopular piece of legislation he ever pulled in his career was the TARP. 74% disapproval. Hard to get 74% of Americans to agree on a lot these days. But they did that. That legislation sucked. And, and John McCain was leading the polls coming out of the GOP convention, was leading the polls and suspended his campaign to help them get it passed. Are you? Sh I guess want you, I want you to know I'm totally shocked and surprised that a guy who made it known he was suspending his campaign when he was leading it, he suspended his campaign to go help pass legislation that 75% of Americans didn't want. I just want you to know I'm totally shocked that he eventually lost. Are you shocked? Does that stun you? 
I'm totally shocked that a guy wanted you to know he's off for something 75% of Americans didn't want lost. Are you stunned by, that, by how that math worked, Todd? Stop asking me these questions. Okay. They hurt. Wasn't this, uh, speaking of... Um Speaking of abandoning uh, things, wasn't it this? Or was it wasn't around this time when uh, George Bush, who was what a Republican, yep, yep, yep. said we have to? I'm sorry, I'm stop, stepping all over you. No, uh, but you're exactly right. No, you're, you you are, but in a way that's that's furthering my case. We have to suspend free market principles to save the free market. That's that's what George W. Bush said. Literally, one of the dumbest things a president of the United States has ever said, or anybody. Or anybody, yes. And Trump's president right now. So So why did they do this? Because there's been a change in the culture of corporate America. The corporate CEOs, and you see this in the Republican Party of like the Koch brothers. Do you want to know why they spent their lame duck session after this last election before they gave up power to the Democrats? Why they didn't spend it defunding Planned Parenthood? Why they didn't spend it giving Trump the funding for his wall? Would you like to know? I will tell you why. Because the Koch brothers told them, we want you to spend it emptying the prisons instead. Now, I'm not saying some of those people shouldn't have, should have been led. I don't know. I've got, I've got people who I respect on both sides of this debate. That's not my point. My point is, the Koch brothers and people like them in the Republican Party have priorities and an agenda that you don't have. They're all in for amnesty, by the way. And they were writing checks to these Republican congressmen and senators before Trump came down the escalator. And they're all going to be writing checks to them long after Trump goes away, whether that's by termed out, re-elect, not reelected Mueller, or he doesn't want, whatever the terms are, they'll still be pimping checks to the Mitch McConnell's of the world and his cabal. We want amnesty. That's what we want. We like abortion. The Kochs are social liber- liberals. They're for the rainbow jihad. They're for, let's kill the kids. This is why, guys. To make this, it- this is why. The people, the people that write the, ch- the, the corporate donors in the Democratic Party are like Tom Steyer's, are like Warren Buffett's. Warren Buffett's given like f- half a billion dollars to Planned Parenthood in the last decade. Half a billion. Billion. You want to know where Ocasio-Cortez gets her views that the Earth's going to end in 12 years because of global warming? Tom Steyer, one of the biggest Democratic um, sugar daddies there are. When was the last time you saw a Republican sugar daddy say, we need to stop killing 4,000 children a day? When when have you ever seen that? Ever seen anything dire like that on an issue you care about? Nope. And you never will. So it doesn't matter how many times you call on the phone. As the great prophet The Rock once said, it doesn't matter because they believe they can have it both ways. They can take all the money from these liberal, progressive Republican donors, and as long as they rattle their zippers, you'll answer the booty call on election day because, but the Democrats. In Kansas right now, we have several Democrats who did everything they could to railroad Sam Brown back when he tried to do conservative things in Kansas. And, and this week, they just switched to, uh, they just switched to the Democratic Party. They, they, they went from Rhino, you know, we're just going to switch to the Democrats. How many of those did you vote for? How many of those did your local pro-family group, if you live in Kansas? How many, go look at the names and go ask yourself, hey, did my local pro-family group tell me I had to vote for these people? Or my local pro-life group told me if I didn't vote for these people, the Democrats would win and America would end. If you're in Ohio right now, John Kasich, last thing he does out the door is veto heart legislation. Ask yourself, did the pro-lifers and, and, and leaders and pro-family leaders in Ohio tell me if I didn't vote for John Kasich and the Democrats won, Ohio would fall off a cliff and babies would die. Did they tell you that? 
So it doesn't matter how many times you call. They don't care because they believe they can do whatever they want to you and you will vote for them no matter what. And then they can go down to K Street or over to the Koch's latest confab and, and cash the check and get paid, yo. Gots to get them dollar bills, yo. That's what they're doing. That's the game. Corporate America is against us now. It used to fund our causes. Sometimes, sometimes it was, sometimes it was, there were, there were, the reason we think the family that owns Chick-fil-A and Hobby Lobby is so rare is because nowadays it is. It didn't used to be that way, by the way, but now it is. And so for every Hobby Lobby that funds the Bible Museum and every Chick-fil-A that fund marriage amendments, Target used to, Target is one of the reasons, Target used to be a huge donor to pro-family and pro-marriage causes. Now they don't know who should go into their bathrooms. What changed? That's where the political realignment's been. That's where it's been. It's been in the boardroom. And so now they write checks for the Republican Party to move left against you. When they used to write checks to your pro-family and pro-life group, they don't do that anymore. That's what's changed. So there has been a major political realignment. It just has been amongst the Habsburgs. The Habsburgs, they realigned. Just didn't happen amongst the general population. You didn't move. The Habsburgs over here did. That's your Archduke Ferdinand reference of the day. And to make your point, to bring it all the way home, 10 years ago, you couldn't swing a cat in a room without finding a progressive who was complaining about the Koch brothers. I mean, mm-hmm. they're, they're, they're taking over. It's, how often do they complain about them now, Steve? Mm-hmm. Never. Mm-hmm. Never. They never come up anymore. Honestly, they, they were. They only come up like they did yesterday where Koch brothers opposed Trump. Why do they oppose Trump? Because he's trying to do something uh, yeah. conservative. Yeah, that's why they oppose him. Yeah. yeah. Ever since the Republicans had their great congressional win in 2014, and, and then the Republicans took over and did none of the things you wanted them to do, you'll notice all the left media, liberal media paranoia about the Kochs since 2014 is gone. Replaced now by maybe the Kochs will save us from Trump and people like you. Kochs have most favored nation status now. Aaron, you have, you have a final word? Yeah. Um, I, what I'm learning here, essentially, is that if, 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 you're, if you want legislation uh, to advance, you're not going to go anywhere without Koch brother money. Uh, well, I, without Koch brother money. If you want to get anywhere in the Republican Party with its space, you're not going anywhere with, uh, without uh, Fox, Drudge, and Rush Limbaugh. That's basically it. Um, imagine trying to do all, trying to meet all four of those criteria. Nah. That'd be like rolling snake eyes yeah. ten million times. Yep. Real. That, this is why you have division. It's really hard to line up what Rush Limbaugh's audience wants with what the Koch brothers want because it's it's not the Incongruent. same. Yeah, it's not the same. Have a great weekend. Uh, you know what? Despite everything we just talked about, hug your babies, enjoy your freedom. John three seventeen. This is Steve Dace on the Blaze Radio Network.